Linus was quoting from Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14, where he says there was a, a multitude of angels, and they were praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the Amplified says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased, men of goodwill, men of his favor. And this is the song the angels sang because the promised child, the Savior of Israel, and the whole world had finally been born. And Isaiah also prophesied about this, and this is our main text today. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The title of the message today is Christ the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And I think one thing that helps us understand what the character of the Prince of Peace is like is to know those names that Isaiah just lifted. He is the wonderful counselor. And I, I liken that to he is our amazing advisor. He knows exactly which route you should take and the next best step along the way that will bring the peace of God into your life. He is the mighty God. He is the superior power in all the universe. There is none like him. Nothing is greater. And as we sing, there's no one like our God. He is the everlasting father, the loving parent who never leaves and never fails. God is always there for us. God is always there for you. He is the Prince of Peace. This child is the one who rules with the power and the authority to expel the oppression of darkness, chaos, and fear. And maybe you remember the foreshadow of Jesus that we learned about in Hebrews chapter 7, how the person Melchizedek's name means King of Righteousness, and he was the King of Peace. This baby, Jesus, was the fulfillment of everything Melchizedek foreshadowed by God's divine plan. We also learned in Hebrews 3 and 4 that God offers his rest to those who would hear and respond to his voice and his leading. And to be clear, God's rest is all about God's peace. So, Jesus is the amazing advisor the superior power, the loving parent who never leaves or fails. He is the one who rules with power and authority to expel the oppression of darkness, chaos, and fear. So then won't you seek his help? Won't you go to him and him alone at all times with and for everything? Won't you trust his love and his desire to share his rest with you? The will of God is peace to expel the oppression of darkness, chaos, and fear from your life and from the world.
Verse 6 says, the government shall be upon his shoulder, right? We just read that. It means the responsibility and the, the ability to do all this and bring all this change is his and his alone. He will do it. He will uphold it. And he'll do it with one shoulder. And I just picture, I just think about holding a weight, holding something and doing it with one shoulder. But all of this he's able to uphold with one shoulder. It says the government shall be upon his shoulder. He is the mighty God, the superior power. And I love how verse 2 through 5 explains it. So Isaiah 9, 2 through 5. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You, okay, verse 3, you, talking about this Prince of Peace, have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, the oppressor's the enemy, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. These verses tell us that he has the power and the authority to, number one, expel the darkness. Number two, make his people prosper and increase in joy. Number three, Remove the controlling burden of the enemy with little effort. And number four, bring an end to the sound of the marching army and their bloodshed. He expels all turmoil in the lives of his people. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The point is this, the reason why we needed to read that again. He wants to bring His light into our darkness. He wants to bring His peace into our chaos. This is His heart's desire, and He will do it if we will let Him. He will do it if you will let him. There was another prophecy of the coming child, the coming Prince of Peace. It was given by a man whose name was Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. And it echoes everything we've just said. Luke 1, verse 78 through 79. Because of and through the heart of tender mercy and loving kindness of our God, a light from on high will dawn upon us and visit us to shine upon and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to direct and guide our feet in a straight line into the way of peace. A straight line into the way of peace. Not a little diversion here and back and forth and around. A straight line, the shortest route possible into the way of peace. You might remember the story that's told in Mark where Jesus tells them, you know, let's go to the other side of this lake. And there was a whole crowd of people. So they get on a boat 
Jesus and the disciples. And it specifically says that there are other boats with them. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, the king of peace, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? There are two things in this story that stand out to me. Other boats were following them in the storm. And the disciples called on Jesus in their distress. Don't you care that we are perishing? And because they did call on him, many witnessed the Prince of Peace exercising authority over the storm. Other boats were with him. Mark chapter 4, 39 through 41. Is this one in there, Nate? It says, He rose and rebuked the wind and said to them, Hush now. He rebuked the wind. Hush now. Be still. Be muzzled. And the wind ceased. It sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating. And there was immediately a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. He said to them, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? And they were filled with great awe and feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? I like how it says, be stilled. And in parentheses, in the Amplified, it says muzzled. That's an action, to muzzle something, right? You muzzle a dog, right? This is the authority of the king. He doesn't just speak half-heartedly. He muzzles the chaos. He muzzles the storm. Is Jesus the Prince of Peace in your boat? If the boat is your life, is he the Prince of Peace in your boat? in your life? Have you invited him in? Like the disciples, do you call on him when troubles arise? He can't bring peace if you do not or will not be dependent on him. And remember, there are other boats. Other people are with you on this journey. And if you will call on him, he can raise up and muzzle the storm. And that becomes a witness to others. As I was asking the Lord what he wanted to say about peace, he did something kind of strange, I thought. He began to talk to me about this weird word, codependency. So the definition of codependent. It is of or relating to a relationship in which one person is physically or psychologically addicted and the other person is psychologically dependent on the first in an unhealthy way. And this is what I felt like God was saying. Codependency is ruining our opportunities to experience and know His peaceful rule in our lives. And our codependency is making it difficult for others to experience it as well. Remember, other boats were with them. And they went to Jesus, right? Codependency poisons your relationships, our relationships, 
with our spouses, our kids, our families, our friends. If our peace is dependent on what others are doing, or if your peace is dependent on what others are not doing, in that particular situation, you are codependent. And in this way, all of us have missed out on his peace in areas of our lives. We don't trust others, and so we try to control or manipulate the situation, right? And it's a sickness. It's a type of sickness. The very people we are called to love, we end up trying to dominate. And it keeps the peace of God from reaching us because we are looking for peace in controlling others, which will never, ever work. It will only haunt us, right? If I'm the codependent partner, it haunts me and it is heavy. It's a heavy burden for the person I'm trying to manipulate or control. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is telling all of us, stop trying to control everything and come to me. Is Jesus in the boat with you? I'm all you need, he's saying. Stop worrying about them and put your hope and trust in me. The restful, stress-free, light-filled way of life only comes through me. And if you will keep your eyes on, if you keep your eyes on them, okay, you will only cause pain. You will cause chaos and you will cause confusion. And you then become like one who's contributing to pain in the world instead of being a peacemaker. Love is the only way this works, not control. And like Peter, you can only walk on the water if you keep your eyes on him. And you sink if you start watching the wind and the waves, right? We just saying when oceans rise, right? We have to play. You will sink if you start watching the wind and the waves, placing your attention on things that you were never designed to control. He is the king, and remember, the government, the responsibility to make things as they should be has been delegated to him, hasn't been delegated to me or to you. If I can call the, the worship team back up. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. This is as it reads in the Amplified. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Similarly, in John 16, 33, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you will have tribula tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, be certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Isaiah 26, 3. Just more promises from the Prince of Peace, okay? And Isaiah even prophesied knowing what was coming. 
You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Is Jesus in your boat? And do you call on him? Is your focus on him? Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, blessed, enjoying enviable happiness, spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outer conditions, are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they shall be called the sons of God. His brother James, in chapter 3, verse 18, said, the harvest of righteousness, okay, conformity to God's will in thought and deed, is the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. That peace which means concord, agreement, and harmony between individuals with undisturbedness and a peaceful mind free from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflicts. Jesus is our King of Peace. And he can activate this in us and for us. God's will is to bring heaven to earth, light to darkness, as we've read, to expel fear and chaos and stress and war and agitation, first within you, first within me, and then those around us. If we will conform to this, if we will live it and live in it, we will see amazing results in our lives. Results that prove the power of the wonderful counselor, our amazing advisor. He is the mighty God, the superior power in all the universe. He is the everlasting father, the loving parent who never leaves or fails. These would be results that only come about because the Prince of Peace, the one who rules with power and authority to expel the oppression of darkness, chaos, and fear is the Prince of our lives. No darkness can have power here. Can we sing, Oh Come Let Us Adore Him, Jose? I'm gonna pray, and Jose and the team are just gonna Sing a verse or two of O Come Let Us Adore Him. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. It's from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. And it just says, May God's grace, God's favor and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts, May that grace and that peace be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the Prince of Peace, and we can count on you. We don't have to do it alone. We invite you into the boats of our lives. Jesus' name.